If, if someone has the idea to write a book, if that thought came into your mind, mm-hmm. then it can and should become a reality. Like, yeah. to me, I feel the book, it's already written. It's done. If you had yeah. the thought, it's done. It's now your job and your duty to make sure that you take action on it. If, if it's just right. a thought, it'll stay a thought until you take action. It's like anything we do in life. You have to act upon it, but it's not as overwhelming as one would think once Mm. you understand the process and break it down um, to where if you do it a little bit every day, you know, a Mm. week becomes two weeks, which becomes a month. And now you have, you know, four chapters and then eight chapters and then 10 chapters. And before you know it, your first book is done. Welcome everyone. I am really excited today. Today I have the man uh, who creates the books, who helps people create the book. And, uh, you know, he's, he's somebody who I've gotten to know online. And this is also an example. When you meet people online, you can turn into relationships where you can collaborate on projects. So this man on my side or virtually in front of me. Um, he, he has an excellent brand, but what I love about him, he's all about giving. He shares what he knows, his knowledge, and he's always interacting, always lifting people up. Like every week he'll be lifting new people. So I love that about him. I'm so glad and happy that he accepted to be on the podcast and I'm happy to share it with you. So without further ado, Mr. Roger Brooks. With you, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes, yes, it is. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to right, jump right into it. So how about you start with your story, your journey, so people know a little bit about you from your own mouth? Sure. I guess, uh, you know, from the standpoint of my my business journey, journey I have been an entrepreneur since a very young age. You know, I was one of these kids who um, I had a paper route to deliver morning papers and I shoveled sidewalks. Uh, we have a lot of snow here in upstate New York and mowed lawns in the in the summertime of all my neighbors. And then as I got older, um, I started a, a clothing line. I did a t-shirt business. I worked for a professional uh, NBA basketball player. And then I got into the corporate world where I had the the privilege to work with my brother-in-law for about 20 years. And we were in uh, an expanding business creating um, over in the States, what we call coupon books, where there's offers for restaurants and hotels and um, all kinds of venues, but the book was sold as a fundraiser. So the schools and the churches would, would sell the book. And then we would get all the, the merchants to participate to give some type of a, a, a value or offer. And I did that for about 20 years. That turned into what we call customer loyalty programs. Um, I jumped in the loyalty space back in about 2004, 2005, and then was fortunate to be part of a couple of companies that were acquired, um, uh, a couple by publicly traded companies. So I really got to see uh, both small business growth and then be part of large corporations. During that time, you know, I was always interested in writing. 
something that I've been passionate about since I was a kid. And um, I, I wrote my first book in 2004 and have been writing ever since. And I've, I saw what it did for me in my career by writing a book and then several books. And um, to your part about giving, I just, I've always had this part of me, even before social media, that if we have a skill or if we do something that we learn and do it well, why not pass that on to others? So I was always a proponent of talking to people about writing a book. And wherever I would go, and if I had a nice conversation, I would say, did you ever think about writing a book? And um, then over time, that actually um, morphed into a small business of my own. So today I help people write their first book. Typically, it's their first book and take it all the way from, as I say, page one to publish and promotion. So to help people get what's in their mind, out of their mind and out to paper so they could offer some value to the world. Amazing, amazing. That's an amazing story. Um, one thing that immediately stood out, uh, you know, childhood, when you were going and throwing, you know, delivering papers or doing those uh, entrepreneurial jobs, early entrepreneurial jobs, how was the family support? Uh, because when I was young uh, and my father had a business, he never wanted me to sit on the shelf. He always said, go study, be engineer, do your job. Like I was, I wanted to do it, but he sort of, was protecting me from the hard side of the business because he had multiple failed businesses and he just wanted us to go and get the job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, great question. I, uh, both of my parents work. So I come from a working family, very middle class, maybe even a little bit under, under middle class, but grew up in a, in a nice neighborhood. Uh, we always had food on the table. We always had, you know, gifts for birthdays and, and, and holidays and things like that. But we didn't have, you know, a lot of extra. So my sister and I, if we wanted extra, we had to work for ourselves. And I think because of my parents' example, uh, both working, uh, my father actually had multiple jobs that rubbed off on us. And I just, you know, I, it, it, I was never afraid to work and never afraid to earn my keep because I saw if you put in the work, um, you get rewarded and then you could buy you know, some of the things that, you know, maybe I wanted my own pair of new shoes or a new jacket or something. I had my own money to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, very supportive, you know, from my family standpoint. And a lot of my friends as well were in similar situations. So we were all all working, you know, doing something different, but all, you know, trying to make our own little bit of extra money so we could go out, you know, to a movie or whatever it might be. Mm. Nice, nice. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, you touched upon a, a one wonderful point. Like when we are growing up, I feel that if you are growing up in the middle class, lower middle class family as uh, children, you, you have a great advantage like that mentality of not having everything. It just I, I almost like shifts people to a different level. Absolutely, because you know, we hear about dreamers, you know, I want to, I dream to aspire to do this. Right. And that's, that's how it was for me. You know, I, I, I wasn't upset that I didn't have, you know, a ton, but we had enough, you know, to be, to be okay. But then to aspire to say, okay, someday I want to have my own house. Someday I want to be able to afford my own car. Someday I want my own family to be able to provide, you know, the things that 
are enjoyable. So you're absolutely right. And that growing up in that environment gives you all the more desire, you know, to be able to get to the place where you want to go. Yeah. And then growing up from, you know, where you have accomplished a dream and, you know, you have created whatever you wanted to create or at least wherever you are and then having children and then it's just that as one battle I have, like, how do you give to your children, but not give enough so that it doesn't steal them or robs them with this uh, feeling. And it's so funny you say that because just this morning, just this morning before this interview, I was thinking Mm -hmm. about our son because my wife, um, wanted she she was going to the gym going to the gym but before she went to the gym she called up to him and said do you do you want anything do you want me to take you to starbucks and i thought about that for a moment so here i'm thinking is he spoiled because she's taking him to starbucks or is he appreciated and i said because i'm still going to talk to him later today we do these things because he's appreciated he's not yes we like to do those kinds of things but he works hard. He does really well in school. He does anything we ask him to do around the house. Yesterday, he volunteered for four hours. So because he's willing to put in the work, we're willing to give him these little extras. And uh, But to your point, there, there's that balance, right, of spoiling them or appreciating them. And I, I really like to say that we appreciate our children because they're willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And... How would somebody who was, uh, you know, just like me, parent, uh, who is in early stage of parenthood to, uh, you know, four and six years old, how would somebody cultivate some of the mindsets? The, so we obviously we can appreciate our children, but then they also appreciate what they're getting. Like they are willing to put in the work rather than always asking. Like they're, what do you see is the way to cultivate? Yeah, I think it's, really two things. Number one is leading by example. So if you're going to talk to your kids about anything, I hope that you're willing to do it yourself and myself included. I'll catch myself if I'm asking them to do something that I'm not practicing. So um, certainly um, leading by example. And number two is discipline. You know, we, we still have to have that discipline and instill discipline into our children. So you know, they could truly appreciate uh, what it what it means to be a hard worker, um, to earn your keep. You know, I heard something the other day that there, you know, we have a lot of sports in, in the states, uh, especially in the, in the in the middle and high schools. And they're creating more teams because they don't want to cut anyone from the team. So if you're not, you know, if you're not good enough to make the team, they're creating another team for those kids that, that aren't quite there, which I think is fine. But I also think it's good to be able to, again, aspire and work hard to achieve something in order to get to a place, whether it's school, whether it's sports, whether it's a hobby, whatever it may be. Um, so I, I do think it's important to have that discipline. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. So I'm going to ship game from the children to, you know, becoming because you have a, a very successful uh, online presence and obviously there's so much hard work that people don't see people only see when you know you put in four or five years into it and that's when you know 
the light starts to shine and all that. So could you talk about that journey, like how you started, how, you know, what it took you to come here so people understand it is not all just about posting, uh, you know, and uh, making some uh, nice uh, content in there. There is a lot of hard work that goes in there. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. So for my personal journey, it, it really started about four years ago when I started my podcast, American Real. So I had been watching the show called London Real, which Brian Rose uh, started that company. And he was offering a, an online program, an eight week intense program to learn to become a podcaster. Um, now, even today, you have your own podcast, which is remarkable. It's, I, I commend you. But four years ago, we didn't have all the tools to be able to do this. So you really had to invest in the learning. And, and that's normal. You know, the, as time goes on, technology gets better. And I know your audience is very technical in nature. So that's great. So it's, it is much easier, I would say, to get into podcasting. But you still have to obviously know what you're doing, do all the prep work and all that. But to take it back, um, so I took this course and it just it blew my mind because I was in a, in a class with about 60 other people from around the world that were all wanting to do the same thing. And each week it would build and build and you would learn, you know, the different components of the audio and the interview, you know, uh, techniques, how to book your guests. So all these different things. And then at the very end, you have your podcast, you know, you, 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 you work through it and then you have it ready to go. And you're actually recording episodes during the, during the eight week program. Um, but something pretty remarkable happened at the, at, on the last call and Brian Rose um, stood in front of everyone and said, look, he says, every year I choose one person to interview me. And this year I choose Roger to come from New York to go to London to interview me. So that particular, you know, uh, opportunity that I was given really propelled me to say, wow, if someone's going to invest in me, then I really want to do the best I can and take it to the next level. So the podcast started it. And then from there, you get to posting content, you know, and as you said, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of work that's involved and it's the consistency of it, doing it every single week, week after week after week. Um, you know, now I have over, over 200 episodes recorded. I've met some amazing people from all around the world. I do a lot of in-person interviews and we'll be getting back to that now that hopefully we're getting past COVID. Um, but more than anything, the other thing that, that happened in the midst of all this about two years ago is LinkedIn was exploding. And I had not really been active on LinkedIn up until that point. Um, I met a couple of people and they insisted that LinkedIn would be the next platform to boom. And I was watching some of my other podcast friends and they really weren't on LinkedIn. Um, so I, I decided to dabble in it a little bit and I started seeing some really good momentum and to the tune that I really took all of my um, uh, knowledge and investment and I put it all into LinkedIn because that's where I see the engagement and that's where I was able to build my side business off of this where 
I help people write their first book. So um, not to get too far ahead, but that's that's basically the the journey of, you know, it was the podcast and and then it was really the, um, you know, LinkedIn, the investment into LinkedIn and 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 the, the time and energy that I put into the actual content itself. Oh, amazing. Did you have any idea or did you uh, knew that there would be a day like where you would sit down and, you know, be interview the man you were learning from, you know? Uh... No, that was, was I, I really believe in, I believe we have many, um, uh, I guess, powers, for lack of a better word, within us to be able to manifest our own reality. So, and I started on that journey when I was very young as well. So I had envisioned it for myself that I would one day be in that studio. Now, I didn't envision that I would be interviewing Brian Rose. I envisioned that I would love to be interviewed by him, which, you know, what that was, but it still happened. It wasn't the way I had wanted it exactly, but it still happened. And um, yes, so I really believe if we put our minds to anything and we work, we put in the hard work to get there, we may not be able to control how it happens or the way it happens, but we could reach that ultimate goal if we're willing to, to put in the work. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, speaking to universe and universe delivers. Absolutely. Um, and as, as you know, like, um, um, there have been multiple studies, like we all are wired differently. Uh, some people are more visual. Some people are kinesthetic. Some people are audible. How is Roger? Like what, when you visualize, is it like more visual, auditory? How does it happen for your visualization? Yeah, I'm definitely more visual. So I typically can see the end game of what I'm going after. And uh, although I have a lot of help now, in the very beginning, I was doing everything myself, um, which I, I'm glad because now I, I still today, I could edit an episode if I need to. I could put up a post if I need to. I could do anything that the, fo- the team that's helping me now can do. And I, and I feel good about that, you know, that I've, I've learned it the hard way, even the technical things that I'm not really good at. I have learned all that to be able to understand it and really appreciate everything that goes into the engineering and, you know, um, you know, the importance of audio and, and, uh, but to answer your question, yes, I'm more of a visual person and kind of see the end game and, and the path that it'll take to get there. Awesome. And the reason I ask is because when I visualize, I'm more audible, like I'm hearing the voices of the people, like, Mm. and it's different, but I, it took me a while to recognize, okay, I'm, it doesn't matter if I don't see, if I hear those voices, it works for me. So everybody has different. And that's why some people, you know, they get stuck. Okay. I need to visualize, but it's okay. If you cannot visualize whatever works, whether you're feeling, listening, uh, whatever it is. Um, and you touched upon a great point over there. Like when you started your journey, you were doing everything yourself. A lot of times people invest too much too early, right? Into getting the help and you know and then they get to because they are worried about i think scaling from the get-go that they want to scale they want to free up but then they do not learn 
what would you say like when if somebody is starting let's say podcasting what would be minimum duration or something good so that they get their hands on learn about the different processes before they invest in bringing help to do that yeah another great question look to me and it's hard to do this in the moment sometimes but the fun of it comes in appreciating the hard work that you put into it so those to me those are the fun days you know and it, and it's no different than doing a podcast or writing a book all that sacrifice and hard work and and research and getting up early and staying up late like to me that's the fun of it i i've been working on a novel now for 10 years 10 years i'm getting ready to to publish it next next year but i almost feel like oh i, I don't want to let it go because it's been such a big part of my life you know i put so much time and energy hundreds thousands of hours that now when the novel comes out i'm really going to appreciate it like to me that's a piece of art that i couldn't have done if i didn't spend the time now my next novel i hope it doesn't take 10 years because i you know now i've learned a lot but that's the point whether it's a podcast it may take a little bit longer um especially in the beginning but then like anything it's a skill you develop and you become better and more skillful and then you know what there's a certain point at least for me where now that i know how to do it and maybe that takes too much time i want to employ someone else to be able to help me so it's helping them because you're providing them you know monetary value that hopefully it's in you know helping their life and it's freeing you up to be able to focus on some other things that may be you know a little bit more important or time consuming so everyone wins when you're able to employ i didn't always have that mindset my mindset is to be i'll do it all myself i don't care how long it takes me now i'm like you know what no i you know i i want to employ someone else um i and and that helps me so therefore i could now focus on the bigger picture yeah yeah amazing yeah because when you free up you can do the job your best meant to do and help the people that you're supposed to do great point there um as you transition your career because you have done you know a lot of different times in different ways um and uh, you know you had your skills from doing business with your brother-in-law starting from something small to big corporations and you know and then transitioning into your again small business writing book podcasting and all that what are some of the things that people who are in the jobs maybe technical people um that are you know have all these technical skills and have the aspirations to go from exploring something different than what they already do mm-hmm. what are the things they should be thinking about as they you know move into or maybe want to take some steps into entrepreneurial world yeah another great question um so i was in the technical space for a lot of years uh, when i got into the loyalty business so our company built software that manages loyalty and reward programs so basically the back end it's calculating the points or the cash back you know for working with a a financial institution or a retailer where we were doing all the calculations right i was on the business development side of that and um i went to a conference one time 
uh, it was an author that I had been following. His name's Jeffrey Gittimer. And he said something really profound that really propelled me in my career, exactly what you're talking about to focus on the soft skills. He said, it doesn't matter what business you're in across the board. If you want to get noticed, now this was pre-podcast and all that. So this is going back before social media. But he says, if you want to be noticed in your industry, whatever industry it is, write articles for trade journals within your field, or even better, write your own book. So I took that to heart and I left that conference knowing that, oh my gosh, if I could write my own book, maybe that will start to help me build my own personal brand. So it doesn't matter what company I'm working for. I understand customer loyalty. I know the software behind there. Um, but now I could be known as a quasi expert in the field because I'm passing on knowledge that I had learned over the years. So I, I just happen to have my, this book here. So back in 2010, I wrote this book called The Power of Loyalty. And this really helped me to propel my technical career um, that, you know, opened doors that you could not imagine. So I would say whether it's writing a book, whether it's, you know, starting to engage in posts on LinkedIn, you know, to build your personal brand, whether it's starting a podcast like you're doing, whatever it is, it's offering value. It's taking the knowledge from here and, and giving it to the world. Uh, for free. There's no reason why you can't take this and pass it out. Because if if you don't look at the world as competition, which I don't, I mean, competition is only if we make it for ourselves. Um, it's our duty. I believe it's our duty to pass on the knowledge and wisdom that we have, that we've learned, you know, through our jobs and our careers and our life experience to be able to pass that on through a book, a podcast or a social media brand. Amazing, amazing. So you are somebody who not only understands the back end, the loyalty engine, and the business of that, but you have also at the front end, the brand, you know, how do we establish brand and how you present yourself in the world. Um, and, and, you know, there's so much talk about when you show up, you know, online or wherever digital show up authentic. But oftentimes people get confused about like, what is authentic? How do I show up? Like, and, you know, to a point, like sometimes people are just talking all that negative is happening and that's being authentic. They're expressing, but they forget that it needs to create some value. Like you have to show what is it doing to you and how it can improve. So, uh, as an, um, Loyalty brand expert, you know, somebody who's written books, somebody who's also shown it how it's done online, like your social profile is a great example. What would be some things that when people are considering, you know, bringing their self online or their uh, things that they can be authentic, but also, you know, help them build the brand? What would be some tips that you could give? Yeah, to me, it's really simple. And again, I didn't know this day one. So I've learned this over time. Uh, and I offer this because if I wish I had known this day one, because it, it probably would have helped propel me even quicker, but there's no, it, it's okay. So the one thing I would say is that to really reframe why you're doing things. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to put out this 
posts because, you know, I want to reach all these people and get all these likes and comments and um, turn it around. So what I do now is I say, okay, who can I help today? I want to help someone today with some knowledge that I have, and it might be technical help. It might be sales help. It might be um, helping a neighbor. You know, it could be, you could help people in, in, in a variety of ways. But what thought do I have today that I could put out to the world to help someone, not to bring back anything for me? As soon as you can make that switch in your mindset, which again, it took, it, I didn't do that right away. It took me several years to understand that. Now, nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is me putting out content that's going to help people. Um, whether it's it, like today, I, I put out a post every Monday. It's called Kind Magazine, and I feature a, a new person every day. I don't tell them in advance. I don't say, you know, I'm going to put your your image on the cover of Kind Magazine. I just do it because I know what it'll do for that person. And then I know what it'll do for their followers and the people that are following me. There's no harm all the way around. It's, it's, it's showcasing someone because they're a kind person, whatever industry they're in. And therefore, it brings a lot of goodness. So I guess... A long, you know, answer to your question is that just change the focus to say, who can I help versus what can this do for me? Yeah, yeah, this is so beautiful. This certainly, I mean, I know audience would, if they really take it, like understand it, it's going to be so big because somebody who has been doing now for, you know, nine months, I've been actively posting and I, I get stuck sometimes like this morning I had two or three things that I prepared last night that I was going to post, but it just didn't feel like it. And I, and I felt like I wanted to give just love. So I just wrote a couple of lines and said, I'm just sharing my love. And because it wasn't about me, I sort of felt what I was feeling and I just took it out and I didn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's a good reframe. It's a good reframe for me to remember also. So great. Absolutely. And I, I think what you said there is really important instinct. You know, some mm. days maybe you were going to post something, you had it prepared, but it just didn't feel right that day. Go with mm. your instinct. You did the right thing. And, and like you said, sometimes it only has to be a line or two. And, yeah. and that's yeah. all it takes because you never know who's going to be reading that line or two that needed to hear it that day. So yeah. again, you're doing it for someone else, not yourself, but you're going with your instinct, which to me is, is crucial because people mm. can see through, you know, whether it's authentic or if it's scripted. True. True. Okay. So coming to your main thing, not main thing, but something that you're passionate about, which is book writing. And this is where I got to know you and we started talking. Um, and I would say from my experience, like the, the number one reason I didn't ever wrote a book, even though I have aspirations to write a book or I didn't get started because of this uh, thought about like, who's going to read my book. What is there? I can say that somebody can read. So once people come to you, I'm assuming those are the things they have in mind and how do you help them yeah. see differently? Absolutely. You know, we, we hear the term self-limiting beliefs. We all have them. They're, they're 
in our heads constantly all day long, self-doubt, self-worth, all these things that, you know, our minds play with us, you know, for lack of a better phrase. So it's very, very normal, especially on the first and, you know, second meeting when I meet with my clients that they have some type of self-doubt, exactly what you said, you know, who's going to read my work. So Tom Hart, who's been a friend of mine for over 10 years, um, he came to me and he said, I think I'm ready to write a book. So we met and in our first couple of conversations, he says, same thing you did. I, you know, who's going to read my book? Who, what do I have to share that people want to hear? And so to me, it's, it's about the conversation in that, um, you know, so I would say, Tom, look, you have experience that no one else has. Again, reframe it. You're not writing the book for you. You're writing the book for the people that need to read your words because you're going to help them. So it goes back to the same thing we were talking about in social media. It's not, I want to write a book because, you know, I'm going to be this wonderful author that everyone looks up to. No, it's I'm writing this book because there's people that need to hear what I have to say and I'm going to be helping them. So, you know, after 12, 13 weeks, Tom wrote his book. It's called Life in Moments. And he basically took bits and pieces of his life and his career. He started out working in a gas and convenience store um, out of, out of uh, a young man out of, out of high school college. And he worked his way up to become the chief operating officer of the company. And then he started his own business that he sold. So he has so much life experience and he called it life in moments. You know, so the whole, you know, point of having the first, the idea of wanting to write a book, then, you know, in that desire, then it's about, okay, you have to get, get beyond the self-limiting beliefs. So once you could get your, your mindset in, in the right place, then it's all about execution. It's about consistency and determination and, um, you know, uh, it, knowing that you're doing this not for you, but you're doing it for others. As soon as you can make that change, then, you know, that's when I call it flow state. The ideas start to come. You're able to really get out all of the information that, that you have, whether it's technical or a story, it doesn't matter. Um, that's able to flow out onto the paper. And, um, and then it becomes, you know, magical. It becomes something that you could actually feel and hold and sell. And it becomes a great, you know, part of your legacy. Amazing. Amazing. I, I love that reframe. Um, you know, what can you teach to people or who can you teach? So in a way you are, instead of saying what you can write is who can you impact defining your audience, right? Absolutely. Uh, amazing. It's a wonderful, it just, I, I can see it already shifting my thoughts differently, like, uh, you know, being stuck in there. So thank you for that. This personally for me is amazing. Um, and in terms of the, uh, what would you say when is the hardest challenge or the biggest, not hardest, but the biggest challenge when somebody is trying to write the book, like, is this the biggest challenge? Uh, or uh, is that anything? So I, you know, I basically interview my clients first because yeah. um, it, it has to be, you can't force this. 
It's not yes. something. Now, there are people out there. I don't do this, but there's people out there. There's a, many companies out there where they'll set up a Zoom call and they'll interview the person. They'll transcribe mm -hmm. the interview and turn that into a book. That's one way to do it. It's not, yeah. it's not bad. It's just one way to do it. I don't do that. Yeah. I really try to work with a person to go deeper, to get yeah. to their authentic voice so that it's mm. really coming from a place that, um, you know, they're passionate about. And so to answer your question, um, it, it's basically getting into a rhythm of consistency. It's like, it's like forming mm. a new habit. And instead of trying to write for hours and hours every day, my method is get up early. So if you normally get up at 6 a.m., you know, you're going to have to make a sacrifice Sacrifice for this time of the project. If it's a 12-week project, you're going to get up at 5 a.m. And the idea is to write for 30 to 45 minutes a day. But everything is pre-planned. So we do an outline. We do a mind map session. You know, everything's executed before you actually begin. That usually takes a week or two to get that organized. But once that's organized, now you have your outline to be able to start writing a little bit every day. And what I do is I meet with people once a week on the weekend, and we have a session like this where we're talking about, you know, they'll send me their work. I'll read their work. We'll talk about last week's work. And now, okay, what do we need to do to move on to next week? And we don't do the editing until the end because we just want to keep the momentum going. And so, again, to answer your question, there's a lot of things that come up. And, and typically about a third of the way through or halfway through, almost every single person, including Tom, they'll say, I'm stuck. I, I, why am I doing this? That self-doubt comes back. Who's going to read my book? So. Again, it's my job to get that person back on track. And sometimes you have to give people a little bit of space. They may need a week off to kind of just regroup and then come back so it's not forced. So, yes, a lot of these things, you know, it, it happen during the process. And um, But it's like anything. Once you help someone do something, uh, many of the same characteristics or traits or doubts set in where I'm able to help them get out of it. And, and that's what I enjoy doing. It's, it's being right there by someone's side because it's a partnership. It takes a team. You know, it's just not one person. Um, now, there's some great writers that can do it themselves, many thousands, millions that can do it themselves. But for the average person who's never, you know, tried it before, it's good to have that accountability partner to help you get through. Amazing. Uh, so many uh, things there, but the key takeaways for me was like forming those habits, trusting the process and, you know, keep working on through it and also not forcing that's allowing because that's what if you're forcing, it will not come from your uh, place that is most authentic to you. So amazing, Absolutely. amazing tips. Yeah. There. And I, I think one more thing, Manpreet, is that, um, you know, I have a philosophy, so mm -hmm. I, I know this is a pretty technical audience that you have, but it really doesn't matter because we're all, you know, yeah. we all have this other side to us that's, um, you know, some may call it philosophical or spiritual, whatever it may be. But yeah. again, back to earlier when I talked about manifesting, if, if someone has the idea to write a book, if that thought came into your mind, mm -hmm. then it can 
and should become a reality. Like yeah. to me, I feel the book, it's already written. It's done. If you had yeah. the thought, it's done. It's now your job and your duty to make sure that you take action on it. If, if it's just right. a thought, it'll stay a thought until you take action. It's like anything we do in life. You have to act upon it, but it's not as overwhelming as one would think once mm. you understand the process and break it down um, to where if you do it a little bit every day, you know, a mm. week becomes two weeks, which becomes a month. And now you have, you know, four chapters and then eight chapters and then 10 chapters. And before you know it, your f- first book is done. Yeah, yeah. And and you hit upon a, a great point there. Like so many of us, like when we're starting something new, whether it's writing book, new business, new job, we take upon us to do it everything ourselves. And it's good to do, but we don't ask for help from the people. And sometimes when we ask for people, we're asking people who are like million miles away from us. And we forget there are people who are just like five, 10, 20 steps ahead of us. Um, yes. And, you know, asking uh, help is, I, I found, uh, for me, it was never a challenge in the sense that when I knew, I was very naive in a sense that I would just approach person like I, the, the, uh, <laughs> some, uh, some, and some very stupid, like, you know, I'll give you an example is just coming up. Uh, when I thought a year back, I wanted to do podcast because it was coming a year ago. The first person I reached was Ed Milet. <laughs> you think, and people would call it crazy, but I was like, okay, this isn't her, right? That's and obviously right. he's not going to respond. He's too busy, but at least I was naive enough to, th- I was very naive in the thinking, okay, I can ask anybody. And, you know, now I'm, and as you said, there's some things you learn hard way, then you go back and start, but it didn't let me down. Uh, a lot of times rejections, people uh, take it to heart. Okay, I'm going to ask one last question, actually two questions, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much already for all this. So I, I looked up just before the, in our call, there are about 186 episodes that have been re- released on your podcast and amazing, amazing guests uh, that have been there. I mean, uh, it's just wonderful and so much to learn from that itself. But if you were to, you know, sort of compress that 186 episodes and maybe pick three or four things that are for you personally, like the most important things or your takeaways or something that you want to pass on to your daughter and your son as what you learn from these amazing guests, what would be some of those things? Yeah, look, I, um, I try to take, at least one, but use typically several things away from my guests. Like I know after doing this for four years, I am a much better husband, father, friend, son, brother than I was four years ago because of the people that I've connected with. Um, I've had the privilege to interview um, uh People like Rick, Sergeant Rick, retired Sergeant Rick Yarish, who was in the Iraq war and uh, he was in a tank and the tank, um, you know, hit a landmine and, 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 and uh, he lost his leg and he lost both of his ears and he lost most of his face. And um, to sit across from someone like that 
and and hear him talk about how lucky he is, number one, to be alive, and then to be able to go around the country and talk to uh, students in particular about his story and to share that. Um, you know, the, there's just no replacement for having these interviews and, and takeaways that I become a better person because of the person that I'm interviewing. So it's people like him. It's uh, Halataha, who I met uh, through LinkedIn, and she started her own agency after working really hard for Disney for many years. And now she's a CEO of her company that's growing. And she taught me, uh, you know, don't try to do everything yourself. You know, hire a yeah. VA um, in, in, you know, the Philippines or Indonesia. Those people could really use the funds from, from you. Mm -hmm. And also, they're going to be helping you. So that what we talked about earlier, that, you know, it, it's reciprocal. So had mm -hmm. I not interviewed her, um, there's people now that I employ. And, and I'm so happy that, I, that, that, that I'm able to do that. But it wouldn't have yeah. happened if I didn't interview her. Um, I did have the uh, privilege to interview Ed Milet. Um, yeah. It was an amazing 30, 35 minutes. Uh, I continually take clips from that interview and post them because they're so valuable. Everything he talks about uh, in that interview, you know, it, I could feel it. it. It hit me personally, but now I want to pass on that knowledge to others. So, you know, whether it was talking about, um, you know, that our life, you know, that our, our minds are like a thermostat, you know, and we, we need to be regulated on how we take things in and what goes out to the world. Um, there's so much value that came from that episode. So, so I could go on and on and on. Uh, each guest I've learned from, um, I've taken a piece of them, you know, that, that is now a part of me. And the wonderful thing about podcasting is these episodes can live indefinitely. You don't have to launch it once and then forget about it. That's something that we do at American Real. We continually put out the content, the past content, the new content, because there's so much to share. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. And this was, uh, amongst other things, this was one of the things uh, that I wanted to do podcast and on my selfish side that I am able to sit across the people and, you know, get impacted. So not only am I getting impacted myself, I'm sharing it with so many others. And that to me was like done. And um, I felt like, you know, when I asked myself, is this something I'll do with, you know, without any money and there's no money when you start podcast, right? And with, and not only that, uh, also if I had like tomorrow, if I made millions of, um, you know, whatever goals I achieve, would I still continue? And I, my answer was yes, because this is the only place where I'll have the opportunity to continuously grow because it's just guests like you who are going to stretch me, my thoughts, my vision to go to my next level. And I, I don't think I can find it anywhere else other than. No, I think you're absolutely right. One other thing that um, I thought of as you were talking there too, which I think is very important is, and that I learned is to make yourself accessible. Okay. So 10 years ago, I didn't have that mindset. Like I was all about me and, you know, I'm not going to give this person who just started the podcast my time. No, it's not. I, so I, I was able to, and I think Ed Milet is the one who turned me on to that as well. Make yourself accessible. I'm hopefully helping you today. Some of your listeners, 
I'm able to practice what I talk about. So everyone wins. But if you don't make yourself accessible, if you have that, you know, restrictive mindset that I'm better than someone, then to me, what fun is that? You know, it, it's it's not it's not any way to really grow a business or or live your life. So I think accessibility, making yourself accessible. And I talk to this even when it comes to the technical folks that are listening to your show. If people are trying to reach you and they're sending you emails or their phone calls, have the courtesy to answer them back and just say, unfortunately, now is not a good time. So give the courtesy of a of a of a callback or an email back. Um, because you never know who's on the other side of that. Yeah, amazing. And I, I can vouch for you, like every time I've reached out, you have responded and you've, uh, you know, we have connected and you've given me uh, whatever was needed in that moment in, in your own capacity. So thank you for that. Um, and, and, you know, this was wonderful. I really got a lot out of it. Um, and I'm sure people listening would get a lot out of it. Uh, where can people find you? LinkedIn is the best place. I love LinkedIn. Um, I do yeah. have some help there now. So if someone's mess, if you message me, I will definitely get back to you or Diane who works within the account. will get back to All you. All right. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. You're doing a wonderful job. Congratulations on the launch of your podcast. And thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah. Thank you, brother. It was wonderful. Uh, we'll connect soon, but for everybody else, make sure when you listen, Go uh, check out, uh, uh, you know, Roger's LinkedIn, connect with him, subscribe. He has a wonderful podcast. He has wonderful guests in there. He is also doing uh, wonderful work with where he's coaching people and without charging any money, he's doing every week. He does episodes where he talks about writing books. So if you're somebody who's thinking about writing book, is not sure Roger is your man, just connect, talk to him. Um, he's not there to sell. He's there to help you. So. Thank you, Roger. We'll connect soon again. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did and got some valuable nuggets out of it. If you liked it, there are other shows you can watch. They're exactly what you need. And I ask you to like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, really, I want to hear from you firsthand what you felt, what you liked, what you didn't like. So thank you and see you around.